0: America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad, because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Are we living? Are we living that scene in the American president? You know what? People just screaming and being intolerant and protesting. Problem is that most people that most people, I think most people that are protesting things don't even know what they're protesting. I think it's just a planned, um, planned, strategized and um who knows what else to call it it's it's where the the media is leading us leading us to a place that we don't want to be keep faith folks keep faith in what's going on hey we're going to talk about uh everything that's going on this week we're going to talk about uh my views of it and uh, we might even talk about some of your views on it but first let me introduce myself my name is ed hoffman president wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender Based here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone because uh, it just seems so personal when you're talking out loud as opposed to typing it into a computer go to wccloans.com www.wccloans.com click on the loan center and uh, click on apply now give me as much information as you want me to have and uh, tell me how much information you want back you'll hear back from uh, myself or one of my competent teammates and we'll help uh, fill in the puzzle, the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle or maybe just your financing puzzle. We may just tell you how to rearrange your finances and uh, you know, occasionally we talk ourselves out of business by giving you guys uh, advice based on what's best for you. Oh, what a what a novel concept that is. Um, if you want to hear any part of the show uh, replayed, go to edhoffman.net. click on the podcast page, you can listen to it on demand. You can get it on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually uh, uh, subscribe to it. You can go on and have it download. It's free. Have it downloaded to your iPhone, your iPad, your iWatch, your uh, your uh, i-whatever-else, your computer. And uh, download it for free once a week. I We upload it. You download it. And uh, you can listen to it anytime you want. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I'll tweet out current events all week long. Some weeks more than others. And follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event, Ed Hoffman. Um, so in with me in the studio today, as was last week and is many weeks, Mr. Scott McPhee, proprietor of Don's Bikes, his dad's name, not his name. Uh, I would change that name, I think.
2: You can't do that, Ed. It's got so much history about, you know, 58 years in biz, man.
1: Yeah, but look what they're doing. Look at George Washington. They're going to tear him down. He's the, <laughs> he's the father of our country. You can't change your name to Scott's Bikes?
2: Uh, you know, I can. Was your it's... dad ever
1: on the radio? No. Was he ever a... I don't know if they one, had radio back then. Was he any? Of the, was he ever <laughs> one of the top two political commentators?
2: Uh, in the country? No. No, he was not, Ed.
1: So I think it should be Scott's bikes. All right. Hey, but nevertheless, it's Don's bikes. If you want a bike, call Scott. Hey, so, uh, Scott, uh, welcome back. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be back in the house. And uh, you ready? Uh, you're going to be uh, soloing this for a week or two uh, <laughs> while I'm uh, sailing around through the Caribbean. Uh, well, you know, who knows what I'll be sailing through, but we will be going <laughs> through the Panama Canal. All
2: right. Just don't go through any of those hurricanes yeah, that are-
1: it'll, that'll be uh that'll be the end of September early October. Don and I are going for a cruise for fifteen days, so we'll be uh not broadcasting from the ship. I promise Don I'm not gonna be working while I'm on vacation, although she's got twenty nine years of pictures of me being on the phone when we're on vacation Nice. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about what's let's talk about the fun stuff. What's happening this week? Uh, while the left continues to act like President's responses to the violent rally in Charlottesville uh, is worse than the violence itself, at least one prominent person is questioning the source of the violence. Texas Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert, who Don and I always call uh, Waldo, because for a while there you just saw him popping up in the background every time Fox News was around the Capitol. Um, so Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert has appeared in a few places this week. Typical few places uh, to to propose a new theory that the whole thing was orchestrated by the powerful liberal interests, which I agree with. Here he is on uh, Fox Business with Stuart Varney.
3: This has been stirred up, and I think the Democrats. I mean, this needs an investigation, Ashley, and uh, the president or through him the Attorney General can appoint an independent counsel. This is so political. This is being driven by forces of evil that are beyond what normal people can think about. How do you have instances of people with KKK shirts and Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. getting off the same bus? I mean. What somebody is stoking this? So that's your this. claim that these no, people. No, no, it's not my claim. I'm telling you, there are witnesses out there at uh, at Charlottesville.
1: Uh, you know what? I I thought we had a hard enough time flying to the inauguration, being on the same plane with some women <laughs> that had pink hats in their carry-on. You would think there'd be a little bit of
2: disruptive activity if you had a guy in a sheet next to a Black Lives Matter guy. I they, know, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess it's just like, it's just a regular job for them though.
1: Yeah. But they got to go to work like it, everybody else. Right? right. But people, people in that are that passionate that they're going to, they're going to go to, um, they're going to go across the country. Like the guy, the kid that ran over, uh, ran over the girl. Um, people that are that passionate about it. Don't sit next to someone, you know, don't, don't stay, don't stay quiet on a bus or in a plane any of that, just, you know, hey, you know, I had, I had the opportunity, I had the, the right to remain silent. I just didn't have the ability, um, as Ron White says.
2: Well, and the question is how much of this is actually staged, and we don't know the answer to that. We may never know the answer to that, but when I saw those guys dancing up and down in sheets,
1: I'm thinking, is this real? I mean, they could be just paid operatives, right? Exactly, and that's what, uh, what uh, Louis Gomert is suggesting. Let's hear a little bit more from him.
3: There are witnesses that were saying, "Look, the barricades were funneled, so we had to face each other and become, you know, at odds but with each agree? other." don't you agree? It's like the governor and the mayor. There is a strategy to make race the number one issue in 2018 and 2020. They think it's their ticket back, but this is going to blow up in their face. We need an investigation as to what happened at Charlottesville. Who paid for the different groups to come in? Who ordered the funneling of those groups together? Who ordered the stand by while the violence goes on? You know, right. for heaven's sake, Heather Heyer should never have been killed. This should never have been allowed to happen. And either. Jeff Sessions or the president himself has got to appoint an independent counsel. Let's get to the bottom of this before these people are allowed to explode this
1: country. Look like a scene from uh, the gangs of New York. Yeah, I
2: mean it was a, it was a mess, I and mean, obviously we touched base on on this this whole topic last time. But in terms of these parties and and who's involved, and, and ultimately why were they allowed to interact with one another? Uh, we saw a recent incident. Well, when actually when Trump spoke in Arizona, the cops did an amazing job of keeping protesters away from Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. There, there was no battles, there was no fights, no interactions, no opportunities for that whatsoever. And it's like, why was that? Why didn't that happen in this case?
1: Especially in a especially in a town where the where the mayor of Phoenix said, "Don't come." Right. He told uh, Trump, "Don't come." He didn't tell the protesters, "Don't come." Hmm. But you know, if if that's what's happening, if that if if what Louis Gomer is saying is true, then there's too many Republicans falling for that for the idea that the violence in Charlottesville happened organically. One of them is another supposedly Republican strategist. Remember, we said supposedly uh, uh, supposedly Republican. We were talking about uh, Anna. What's her face? Anna Navarro. Uh, from CNN. Rick Wilson's, there's another one that uh, CNN loves. Um, and, uh, And after the president's rally in Phoenix on Tuesday, this guy actually thought Trump was reaching out to white supremacists in his speech.
4: This is a guy who went back and tried to revise history and tried to and tried to elide the fact that he essentially um, uh, tonight, he just happened to forget the many sides part of this. He happened to forget the, that the actual impact of the speeches he gave wasn't to reprimand or, to, or to, to chastise the alt-right and the Nazis and the anti-Semites and the Klan, but in fact to let them all nudge each other and elbow each other and go, hey, listen, he's still dog whistling. It's cool, guys. Keep up the fight.
1: Can you believe people really believe that?
2: Well, and it's funny. How does CNN keep finding these Republican strategists that like hate like Republicans? Um, I want to know what's his strategy for the Republican Party as a strategist.
1: Yeah, a re- but you know what? What is uh, what's weirder is that people. You know what they? We were talking about before we started when we came in the studio that if you if you tell a story enough times, even if it's even if it's not true, people start believing it. And I think you know when the people talk when the people on tv talk about the deep state hey this is the deep state you know there this thing is this this government goes so deep into so much corruption that they'll do anything to steer us away from the truth and trump is just trump is just in the way he's a he's a roadblock to what to what they want cuz he's going to he's going to and this is what i predicted a year ago hey he's going to get in there and he's going to go you guys are doing what it's it's amazing it's amazing that people it's amazing that the American public is stupid enough to fall fall for this stuff. Folks out there, you know, I know you guys listen to the show so you guys think but you got to think about your kids and your grandkids and your your uh, your coworkers and all that stuff and teach them how to think. You know what does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you that uh, these guys would be so organized and they, they got people from all over the place to come in and, and they all got, they said, hey, all the white supremacists over here and all you guys that want to uh, club the white supremacists over here, ready, set, get on your mark, set, Go.
2: It's, it seemed a bit staged. Yeah, again, and we'll we'll never know. Are there going to be an investig? Is there going to be an investigation
1: about this? I don't know. There needs to be an investigation about everything. Yeah. It's like, why don't we just Why don't we just get back to running our country? Agreed. So the president gave two two major speeches this week. We were just talking about the uh, Arizona one. That was the second one. The first was delivered at Fort Myer, Virginia military base before an audience of troops, which obviously is going to be a Different, different reaction, um, because, you know, troops, because our military behaves itself. And the purpose of the speech was to announce a new strategy for the war in Afghanistan, which includes an additional 4,000 troops sent to Afghanistan and Pakistan to fight ISIS and the Taliban. Let's listen to, uh, Trump outline how he, how he, General Mattis, and his military advisors arrived at their decision when they met at Camp David last week.
5: I arrived at three fundamental conclusions about America's core interests in Afghanistan. First, our nation must seek an honorable and enduring outcome worthy of the tremendous sacrifices that have been made, especially the sacrifices of lives. The men and women who serve our nation in combat deserve a plan for victory. They deserve the tools they need and the trust they have earned to fight and to win. Second, the consequences of a rapid exit are both predictable and unacceptable. 9-11, the worst terrorist attack in our history, was planned and directed from Afghanistan because that country was ruled by a government that gave comfort and shelter to terrorists. A hasty withdrawal would create a vacuum that terrorists, including ISIS and Al-Qaeda, would instantly fill, just as happened before September 11th. And as we know, in 2011, America hastily and mistakenly withdrew From Iraq. As a result, our hard won gains slipped back into the hands of terrorist enemies. Our soldiers watched as cities they had fought for and bled to liberate, and one were occupied by a terrorist group called ISIS. The vacuum we created by leaving too soon gave safe haven for ISIS to spread, to grow, recruit and launch attacks. We cannot repeat in Afghanistan the mistake our leaders made in Iraq. Third and finally, I concluded that the security threats we face in Afghanistan and the broader region are immense. Today, 20 U.S. designated foreign terrorist organizations are active in Afghanistan and Pakistan the highest concentration in any region, anywhere in the world. For its part, Pakistan often gives safe haven to agents of chaos, violence, and terror. The threat is worse because Pakistan and India are two nuclear-armed states whose tense relations threaten to spiral into conflict, and that could happen. No one denies that we have inherited a challenging and troubling situation in Afghanistan and South Asia, but we do not have the luxury of going back in time and making different or better decisions. When I became president, I was given a bad and very complex hand, but I fully knew what I was getting into. Big and intricate problems. But one way or another, these problems will be solved. I'm a problem solver. And in the end, we will win.
1: I thought it was a great great speech.
2: It was a great speech and really it boils down to and I've thought about this quite a bit, it boils down to we have three options. Number one is to pull out, just get everybody the hell out of there and, and cut and run. And what he's saying is probably true. That's exactly what would happen. We'd have a big fat power vacuum. The the, the number two option would be just to do what we're doing now and just kind of plug along, trodge along and 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 go nowhere. And have
1: people die for no reason.
2: Correct. And then the third would be what it looks like we're going to do, which is to kind of hit him with overwhelming force, which and none of these options are great, by the way. None of them are because inevitably Americans are going to die. We're going to spend billions of dollars. And in the end, I don't know what what victory will look like, but it's kind of like the least worst of the options we have.
1: But I'm glad that I'm glad that he's actually he went to Cap David and he met with with uh, General Mattis and and uh, uh, H.R. McMasters and whoever else he had there. I think uh, the vice president was there and they actually talked and he talked to some military strategists and uh, that, that are, uh, that know what's going on and, and, and said, Hey, you know, what is, what does victory look like for us? Um, Let's hear how he, let's hear how he uh, talks. He talks, talks about this very differently than Obama did.
5: A core pillar of our new strategy is a shift from a time-based approach to one based on conditions. I've said it many times how counterproductive it is for the United States to announce in advance the dates we intend to begin or end military options. We will not talk about numbers of troops or our plans for further military activities. Conditions on the ground, not arbitrary timetables, will guide Our strategy from now on.
1: Makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things that he also did, which is different, is he actually really called out Pakistan, who has been part of this problem for a long time. I mean, that's where we found bin Laden, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Hey, how come he was so, how come we were so worried about the Pakistanis coming after us when they found out we're going in to get bin Laden? Oh, yeah, because they were, they were uh, protecting him.
2: Right, and one one thing I hope Trump does, and this is something I think a lot of people have forgotten. What about that poor doctor, uh, the guy that's probably in some cell in Pakistan, going through who knows what? The guy that actually led us to Bin Laden <laughs> with some of that DNA evidence. I hope part of this negotiation with Pakistan is getting that guy
1: the hell out of there. I uh, I also wonder about uh, whatever happened to the guy that saved uh, Marcus Luttrell, right uh, in Afghanistan. I th- you know, last I heard, he was the Taliban was coming after him. He left Afghanistan. He was trying to get. Trying to get a visa to come to America, and Obama was holding it up. And uh, I don't know if he ever ever made it made it over here. But you know, it's sad that we get people to risk their lives for what's for what's right and to help us out, and then we turn our backs on them. Well, let's see. The last administration turned their backs on him. Uh, here's one more clip, and this was this was my favorite part.
5: Ultimately, it is up to the people of Afghanistan to take ownership of their future, to govern their society, and to achieve. An everlasting peace. We are a partner and a friend, but we will not dictate to the Afghan people how to live or how to govern their own complex society. We are not nation building again. We are killing terrorists.
1: Ooh, that sounds so unpresidential. It actually
2: sounds great, but the only thing I think of is there's the reality that what Afghanistan is. I mean, the government's inherently—there's a lot of corruption there. There's a, there's a lot of drugs uh, going through that country. The Soviet Union tried to kind of take over that country for well, like a decade, and it just about bankrupt themselves doing it. We've been at it for 17 years. How do you? You can't just kill everybody and then leave. There's got to be some semblance of something that's going to keep kind of order in that country when we bail out of there. You know? yeah. hopefully we do bail out.
1: And what is and what is order in that country look like?
2: Doesn't look like anything over here. I can promise you that. I
1: think uh, I think Trump has that same had that same feeling going in. Like, what are we? What are our interests in? What are our interests in Afghanistan? And he said in the speech before uh, earlier in the party, he said, "Hey, you know what? The everybody told me that the decisions." The decisions you make feel different when you're sitting behind the oval off- the desk in the Oval Office when you're President of the United States. It's different because you have to think different. And and he can't just cut and run and pull out. And say, hey, we don't have any interest in in Afghanistan. Not only will it be a vacuum for for terror for terrorist training again, but what does that say to all the all the all the soldiers that lost their lives or lost their limbs um, over there fighting for it? Well, we just changed our mind. This wasn't such a good idea after all.
2: Right. Well, not only that, but like you're talking about, when you're the president, you have access to intelligence that you and I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see things, you get information that the rest of us have no clue. So obviously that's got to shape your, your opinions,
1: your decisions. And if you listen, and if you listen to uh, listen to Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, oh, well. I try not to. He, add, never, he never gave us any specifics. We can't we can't say what we support on this stuff because they never gave us any specifics. Well, he told us he wasn't going to give us specifics because – the, the enemy has CNN. <laughs> That's probably their favorite station, Ed. Exactly. So uh, even some of the mainstream media praised the president for the speech. Listen to this Washington Post article. Uh, I'll read it. Uh, Trump's Fort Myers speech was possibly his most coherent, controlled, and unobjectionable public articulation since he took charge in the White House. His remark came down like a ton of bricks on Pakistan's continued patronage of terrorist groups. This speech was lucid and long overdue. Recognition: The United States' sixteen-year 16 year war in Afghanistan has been floundering, partly due to Pakistan's dualism on terrorism, as well as Washington's dualism on Pakistan. Are they our friend or are they a foe? I don't know. Uh, Trump's penchant for going off, going madly off script, was contained by a teleprompter, and his speech was likely overseen by National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. Uh, the remarks were sharp, shift from uh, President Barack Obama's tentative nudging of Pakistan in 2009. Afghanistan address at West Point. Uh, so that was Monday. Then Tuesday uh, was his rally in Phoenix, um, which I thought was really just, uh, "Hey, uh, uh, Trump gets beat up pretty regularly, and every so often he needs to go get out there and and uh, just let his let out his emotions and let his people let people that back him cheer for him." Um, Scott you really like this part of him Talking about the tragedy in Charlottesville And then pivots the media uh, How the media uh, portrayed his response
5: So the And I mean truly dishonest people In the media And the fake media They make up stories They have no sources in many cases They say a source says there is no such thing But they don't report The facts Just like they don't want to report that I spoke out forcefully against hatred, bigotry, and violence, and strongly condemned the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, and the KKK. I openly called for unity, healing, and love. And they know it because they were all there. So what I did... So what I did... As I thought, I'd take just a second. And I'm really doing this more than anything else, because you know where my heart is. Okay. I'm really doing this to show you how damn dishonest these people are. So here is my first statement. When I heard about Charlottesville, and I have a home in Charlottesville, a lot of people don't know. Here's the first. Can't believe they haven't figured that one out yet. Now they know. Now they finally know. But I I just, I don't want to bore you with this, but it shows you how dishonest they are. And most of you know this anyway. So here's what I said really fast. Here's what I said on Saturday. We're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. This is me speaking. We condemn in the strongest possible terms This egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. That's me speaking on Saturday. Right after the event. So I'm condemning the strongest possible terms. Egregious display, hatred, bigotry, and violence. Okay, I think you can't do much about it, right? Okay, but they didn't want to put this on. They had it on initially, but then when they talked, he didn't say it fast enough. He didn't do it on time. Why did it take a day? He must be a racist. It took a day.
1: Dishonest people. Hey, we're all out of time for uh, part one of uh, the main event. We're going to come back after five minutes of traffic, weather, and, uh, and commercials. And we will discuss our comments on uh, that little piece. And we'll go on further and tell you the rest of everything that's going on this week. Don't go away. and welcome back to part 2 of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation. Your local mortgage, your direct mortgage lender. If uh, I don't talk much about mortgages on the show, don't talk much about real estate financing and all that stuff, but if you need it, if you need to get a if you need to purchase a house, you need to get a, your kids out of your house and so they can purchase a house purchase a vacation home so you got a place to go on the weekends to get away from the rat race so you need to buy an investment property or if you're over 62 and you're wondering about that thing everybody's talking about the reverse mortgage all us baby boomers we're at retirement age some of us don't have as much cash as we have equity we can make your uh, make your retirement easier with a reverse mortgage call me toll free at 855 855- Six four zero twenty twenty. Hey um don't forget the main event listener hotline where you can leave me a voicemail and tell me what you think what you think of the show what you think of me or just what you're thinking about. Um and you just might get put on the air, you know the oh the number is eight five five six four zero twenty twenty ninety two. Eight five five six four zero two oh nine two. I might just play your message uh on the show like this one.
5: Hey Ed, how you doing? This is Mark out in Lakewood, California. Yeah, two things here. Uh, Don't forget to tell your listeners that Jesse Jackson gave Trump a humanitarian and lifetime achievement award for helping the blacks. Also, number two, what about USC Trojans, about these statues coming down? The biggest empire of not buying slaves, but actually taking them and selling them and the gladiators. And here they're worshiping them they worship the statues of the Trojans to put up a new statue and these far left dudes ain't got nothing to say about that what do you think about that okay I'll be back in touch later thank you
1: hey you know I play that one because Mark from Lakewood California that's where I grew up man Lakewood California class of 79 buddy hey uh thanks Mark you know but it makes me think about this scene from Gladiator
5: why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us all your reveal name? do have a name my name is gladiator how dare you show your back to me slave you will remove your helmet and tell me your name
0: (laughs) my name is maximus decimus meridius Commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next.
1: Is there a better scene in a movie of any kind? uh probably not
2: ed uh but with all due respect to mark there's a difference between the romans and the trojans i'm not aware of the trojans actually having gladiators
1: maybe they did but the roman you know the trojans would be from troy huh that's correct so but uh (laughs) but they do look like roman emperors don't they
2: well i don't know i don't know i don't know what trojan empires or trojan emperors look like If they even had an emperor as part of greece you had the athenians and you had the trojans and actually
1: Talking Troy. I guess we should have. I guess we should have used the clip. From Troy, Troy was
2: was an opponent of Greece. You know the whole Trojan Horse thing. Yeah. I Anyways,
1: know. take it, mortality, <laughs> immortality. It's yours. We are lions. <laughs> hey, I had uh, that clip cleaned up yes last week. I didn't use it.
2: Nice. Uh, I did want to make one comment about the last clip we paid. The last clip we played of Trump's speech. Um, and you mentioned that I like part of Actually, I like the whole thing. Um, and I do agree with you. I think sometimes Trump needs to do these things to kind of recharge his own batteries. Mm-hmm. You know, he's surrounding himself by people who are supportive and he just kind of feeds off of that energy. I don't know what it is, but I get really giddy when I hear these these things. As do I. Yeah. I mean, it's and I never felt this way about other president's speeches. I mean, I never got excited to hear George W. speak. Or, you know
1: what I mean? Well, you know, and I, I remember <laughs> when, when George W. spoke after 9-11 mm. uh, to the joint, you know, when he when he talked the night of nine right. eleven from the from the Oval Office and he almost was crying, you know that stirred me. Sure, you know there's a guy who loves this country that much and he he typically, he's totally moved by what just happened and what we what he knows he needs to do and what we need to do and he's leading our country and he's showing that that he's he's in it and that's something we never saw from Barack Obama cuz Barack Obama didn't give a crap about our country. You know, hey, I won the presidency. Hey man, I'm going to Disneyland. I got the plane for 8 years, baby. Trump clearly has a job to do. He understands he has I hear I hear people say, "Hey, Trump's going to quit. He's he's just going to he's going to say, "Screw this. I don't need this. I have a have a great life. I don't need to do this." Put up with that. But I think Trump is stronger than that.
2: Well, he's t- he's obviously under a tremendous amount of pressure, and I can't imagine what that's like. But I almost feel like you know how do you how do you blow some of that steam off? It's going to these rallies, and really his style is unlike anything we've ever heard before. I mean, kind of a very very candid, very you know like he's speaking his mind. It's it's not what we're used to
1: hearing from politicians. That's I think you. he's speaking my mind. <laughs> okay, I mean, I think that's what what got him elected is we all thought he's saying the things. That we want presidents to say, but we're appalled when we hear it. That's right. Did he just say what I thought he said? <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, and, and I wonder, is he going to be the first president that doesn't go gray? Uh, Well, I think
2: yeah, as long <laughs> as he keeps coloring his hair, I don't think he's going gray. Exactly.
1: Okay. <laughs> but I wonder if he goes bald. Hmm. Do you think they can get the hair plug guy to come in and <laughs> install something?
2: <laughs> I don't think anybody's messing with the Trump hair. I think that's, you know, that's like... I don't know. Off limits. Well, yeah, yeah. That's just something that's kind of sacred.
1: So we're talking about the president's speech on Phoenix on Tuesday, how he chastised the media for their dishonest reporting on Charlottesville. CNN's Don Lemon, who's a moron. Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? You did. <sighs> did Ed just say that on the radio? Don Lemon's a moron? Yes. Um, Don Lemon didn't like uh, this very much. And immediately after the president concluded, he reacted in such a way that's being described by many people. I don't know if, if meltdown. I don't know if I'd call it a meltdown. But he went way off the grid, let's hear.
4: I'm just gonna speak from the heart here. What we have witnessed was a total eclipse of the facts. Someone who came out on stage and lied directly to the American people and left things out that he said in an attempt to rewrite history, especially when it comes to Charlottesville. He's unhinged, it's embarrassing. And I don't mean for us, the media, because he went after us, but for the country. This is who we elected president of the United States, a man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy, like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old. His speech was without thought. It was without reason. It was devoid of facts. It was devoid of wisdom. There was no gravitas. There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling on something else. He did it. I didn't do it. He certainly opened up the race wound from Charlottesville, a man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves, meaning those business people and the people in Washington now who are questioning his fitness for office and whether he is stable. A man backed into a corner, it seems, by circumstances beyond his control and beyond his understanding. That's the truth. If you watch that speech as an American, you had to be thinking, what in the world is going on? This is the person we elected as a president of the United States? This petty? This small? The person who's supposed to pull the country together? Certainly didn't happen there.
2: Well, it, th- didn't, it didn't happen for you, Don, but it did for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. He, <laughs> this guy's a moron. You know, he's talking about what, what he left out that he said. And he's referring to the fact that he said, hey, there was violence coming from both sides. I think Trump should have just put a big old screen behind him. So the media is filming him. There's a screen behind Trump and have the, the news news footage that we all watched and just say, Hey, you're, you're, you're complaining about me saying that the violence came from both sides. Here's the video I'm watching. Look and watch the people going after each other with fists and clubs and whatever else of what they were using and say, is there somebody beating up on the other people? Which side? Which side is being violent? Both sides. And just hey, you know what? Just shut the hell up.
2: Well, I think Don Lemon's embarrassed to be called out. I mean, it's got to be embarrassing too because you're literally reporting on somebody <laughs> calling you out by name, your network that is, and saying you suck. And that's got to be embarrassing. I know.
1: Hey, you're, <laughs> you're fake news, right? They, they are. They are. I just, I just thought it was. I thought it was embarrassing. I mean, hey, hey, this is embarrassing. This is the guy we've elected president. No, Don Lemon, you're embarrassing. You're embarrassing that people, that there's even people left that watch you. And I think, uh, and I'm sure my sister in Pennsylvania was in front of the TV watching. And I'm sure my parents, if they were alive today, they would be watching. Um, For what reason? I don't know. So anyway, James Clapper, the former uh, director of national intelligence under Bush and Obama, who has supported the Russia narrative and defended James Comey, which means he's eh, being paid off or something. He was a uh, lemon's guest and his ominous statements on the show are, are making big news as well. Let's hear him.
6: And I don't know when I've listened and watched something like this from a president that I found more uh, disturbing having some understanding of the, uh, the levers of power that are available to a president. If, uh, he chooses to exercise them. Uh, I found this uh, uh, downright scary and and uh, and disturbing.
1: Get used to it, James. <laughs> I know it's like I'm, if you're so disturbed. How do how you be the director of national intelligence and seeing some of the things? I'm sure he sees. And this is what he finds the most disturbing. This is this is <laughs> most disturbing. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I just don't, I just don't get it. How, uh, how someone could talk like this. It's, it's amazing. Let's listen to some more James Clapper's uh, comments.
6: Are you questioning his fitness? Yes, I do. I, I, I really question uh, his uh, ability to, uh, his fitness to be in this office. And I also am uh, beginning to wonder uh, about uh, his, his motivation for it. Maybe, maybe he is looking for a way out.
1: Looking for a way out. I think we discussed that a few minutes ago. I don't... A way out. You think he is?
2: Clapper, I think you're delusional. Um, as far as his fitness, I don't know. Does he work out, run, lift weights? I'm not sure. But I, then think that's really I think
1: important. he's talking about his mental fitness. Oh, okay. Is All he right. fit to be the president? He seems to talk to, to some smart people. He seems to uh, be looking at things and questioning the same things that you and I question. Right. He seems to be... Uh, I don't know. He he doesn't sleep very much. How how bad can that be for his health? I don't know. I don't know. So referring to the marks of uh, Bob Corker last week, the president has not been able to demonstrate the stability or competence he needs in order to to uh, to be successful. Clapper then said this.
6: I know Senator Corker have dealt with him, and uh, he is a very thoughtful senator. And uh, he wouldn't say that. Uh, lightly and and without uh, forethought, and I'm hopeful that other uh, sim- similarly thoughtful Republicans will reach the point where enough is enough. Mm.
4: Enough is enough. And what do you it, what do you mean? Be
6: plain for us. Well, <laughs> that this behavior and this uh, divisiveness and the, and the complete. Uh, Intellectual, moral, and ethical void that uh, the President of the United States uh, exhibits. And uh, how much longer does the country have to, uh, to borrow a phrase, endure this nightmare?
2: Oh, you know, I think people like this have been saying this craps for for a long time now. It's the same junk. And this guy is just part of the problem that's been going on in Washington forever. And they don't like it. They don't like change. They're very uncomfortable with this. They don't like his style. They don't like the things that are happening. Uh, but but this is nothing new. This is the same monologue they've been triping for I don't know how long now, Ed.
1: Exactly. People that people need to not buy this. Oh, his moral and ethical, uh, whatever he said, uh, he's got, you know, he's morally and ethically uh, not Fit or whatever—I forget how, how, how he referenced it because you talked first, and I forgot. But <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> no biggie. Um, so, so, so you can see that we're we're uh, not all scripted here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does he said that's morally or ethically wrong?
2: Well, see, that's the thing too. They don't give any specifics. I didn't hear any specifics from Lemon. I didn't hear any specifics from any of these people. They're just kind of general, vague you know, statements about behavior, but they don't get specific on exactly what they're talking about.
1: Morally and ethically. Mm, Is winning wars moral and ethically Uh, wrong is, uh, is honoring the, the sacrifice our military has made Um, is calling a spade, a spade. When you see two groups beating each other up, uh, demonstrating like that, saying, Hey, they're both, they were both being violent. I don't know. Is that, that's not moral and ethically. Right should just be beating up the one side even though uh, they only created a only created a scene you know think about this. this is a big ass country here guys you know i think about just driving up north in california most of you that live in southern california haven't even seen most of california and you don't realize how big our state is you don't realize how big our our country is and this is one little thing that happened in one little city across in the in the in the the media makes it look like the whole country is is at each other's throats. It's ridiculous, totally ridiculous. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about business and some of the stupid stuff that you're hearing on the hearing on. You know business, don't you? A little bit. Okay. Let's let's talk bit. about it. So Fox News has this new show on Sunday nights called "The Next Revolution." The host is Steve Hilton he's an advi- he was an advisor to the British Prime Minister and Conservative Party leader uh, David Cameron from 2010 to 2016 and a major supporter of the brexit movement um, which probably was a good thing you know just hey we need to get out of the European Union so so obviously the guy is is has some smarts to him and and I've watched pieces of it because it's only been on for about a month month and a half so I've seen it a few times I've watched it for a few minutes I just haven't haven't gotten uh, uh, enamored with him yet, so I don't watch the whole thing I'm watching I say, hey here's a guy who's trying to be me and Scott he, <laughs> he, he listens to the main event he goes, hey, these guys go on the radio and they talk about what's going on they try to put it in what this means to you problem is is that he talks at a, at apparently a different level than what everybody is and he's feeding into the BS that people are going that the Democrats are going to say about tax reform. So, um, I'm going to play a little clip of what his, uh, so this week he talked, he talked to another Brit, Richard Reeves, um, author of a book called dream hoarders. He talked he's talking really about, um, he's talking really about all the different things about, um, how finances work and how, uh, how lobbyists work. And, and in this one little part I'm going to play, he's talking about, the um, tax reform And he's talking about a thing called the carried interest deduction Which is designed to, to Encourage um, Private citizens and corporations To invest money that, To stimulate the economy uh, And, he, and let, let's hear part of, the, part of his show And then
7: we'll talk about it In the election Donald Trump promised to get rid of the Carried interest loophole
5: We will eliminate the carried Interest deduction Well known deduction and other special interest loopholes that have been so good for Wall Street investors and for people like me, but unfair
7: to American workers. Will he stand up to the swampy lobbying from inside or outside the White House and follow through? That will be a key test for his populism. While he's at it, he may want to take a look at more of the swampy special favors for the rich that are lurking in our tax code. Check this one out. Big businesses can write off the cost of their corporate jets. Take a bow, the National Business Aviation Association, which spent over two and a half million dollars lobbying the government just last year. But it's not just the skies that are swampy. Our oceans reek, too. Believe it or not, the rich get to subtract the cost of their luxury private yachts from their taxable income through, of all things, the mortgage interest tax deduction. That's supposed to help the middle class afford a home. But it covers second homes, too. And unbelievably, it covers boats, as long as they have, quote, sleeping, cooking, and toilet facilities. So a billionaire can get tax relief on a luxury yacht But that little skiff you take fishing, forget about it. Next time you hear some slick politician telling you how they'd love to cut your taxes, but, you know, it's tough, what with a deficit and all that, tell them that simply limiting mortgage interest tax deduction to primary homes would raise around $10 billion. Okay.
1: On the surface, this might make sense to you. But let me tell you where it doesn't make sense. Number one, number one, corporate jets. You know what? If a corporation can afford a jet, and people that own corporations don't invest in jets unless it makes sense, Scott could you use a corporate jet.
2: Um, I don't even want one really yet. It seems like the maintenance alone would be a big pain in the neck.
1: I get people hitting me up to buy to buy shares in a jet mm. all the all the time. And I say, you know, I don't travel that much. I don't travel enough to make it make sense. If I had business where I was flying across the country all the time, and it made sense because I could get there, I could I could go there, hop on a plane, take off get to where I'm going, do a meeting with whoever I need to talk to and fly back and be back the same day, okay, it makes sense. But if you're General Motors, if you're Ford, if you're any of these uh, big corporations where that makes sense, why wouldn't you write it off? Yeah, it is,
2: it is a business expense. I mean, but the, this guy's using it as kind of like an example of a luxury. But again, I, and I look at this from both angles. You could say, well, that's, that shouldn't be. But at the same time, you
1: want to discourage people from having these jets. Well, these jets employ a lot of people. Exactly. And, and the biggest thing is, hey, how do you cut taxes on the people that make? If you, if you watch the whole show, there's a part where he says, hey, we're not helping the people that make under 50000 And the median income in this, in this country is about 50000 People that make $50,000 do not pay taxes.
2: Well yeah, and all I know is that it seems like the more I've made over the years, the more I get hosed as a percentage.
1: Exactly. You know? Exactly. So but if you make and over 50, like 000, half now. How you know? can the how can the government help the people making under fifty thousand?
2: Well, probably the best way is to I mean, certainly what you what what Trump's looking at, we're looking at tax cuts perhaps <laughs> across the board, but if you, all I know is if you make life more difficult, more expensive for the people that create the jobs in the first place, that's gonna hurt people down the ladder.
1: So you cut ta- you cut taxes for the for the rich, for the corporations and they can afford to give raises, promotions, more jobs, expand their business and that's how you that's how you get the people out of the median income into the higher income is by giving them opportunity and there's no opportunity if the people that are creating jobs don't have money. He talks about the yacht, the yacht thing. Well, you could write off through the mortgage income tax deduction. Guess what? Number 1. The mortgage income tax, the mortgage interest deduction only allows you to write off mortgage interest on mortgages up to a million dollars. When you watch the TV, he's showing a a corporate uh he's showing a a yacht that looks like something the Wolf of Wall Street out of the Wolf of Wall Street. And I will tell you, you don't buy a a, a ship like that for a million bucks. I'm thinking about we we're down in San Diego. You can't buy a two bedroom, two bath house for a million bucks down near the down near the uh down near the the the, the beach. But They think you can get one of those floating houses that have bedrooms and and galleys and and bathrooms, and you can have one of those for less than a million bucks. People that have those have bigger mortgages than a million bucks. And people that can afford those already have mortgages of a million bucks on their house on land. And a lot of those people that write those things off, they live in them. They live in them full time. So that is their home. Wake up, everybody. And on top of that, if you make over $260,000 in this country, you don't get any benefit from mortgage interest or property tax on your house because the earned income tax, the the alternative minimum tax comes in and wipes it out. So you get the deduction, it lowers your taxes, and the alternative minimum tax pushes it back up. Don't listen to this crap because you're going to hear a lot of it when we're doing a tax reform because it's just not true. And don't fall into what... Hillary and the Democrats tried to convince people about, I don't know, a year before the election when she said.
3: Don't let anybody tell you that, um, you know, it's corporations and businesses that create jobs. You know, that old theory, trickle down economics. That has been tried. That has failed. It has failed rather Spectacularly,
1: actually, it's succeeded quite spectacularly over the last 240 years, wouldn't you say? It certainly has, Ed,
2: and this definitely goes down in history as one of the stupidest things that's ever come out of Hillary Clinton's mouth. And and one more reason we should thank our lucky stars she's not presiding over this country right now. But but she never really does explain, Ed. Where do the jobs come from if it's not from businesses it's and not, corporations? Not
1: corporations and businesses. They come from where should they come from? From the government. That's called. Socialism.
2: Maybe it comes from phony foundations that are set up to eradicate diarrhea in Africa, but are just diverting funds to nefarious places. Not right. thinking of anybody like her in husband. particular. Like uh, her okay, husband. all right.
1: Exactly. So yeah. you know what? Um, here we are one more time at the end of our show. Hopefully we, uh, we gave some common sense to everybody. Exactly. And it was tons of fun. And uh, guys, watch TV. Listen <laughs> to the radio. Listen to the main event. And then use your brain and cycle it through before you come up with any conclusions because... Nobody out there knows everything except for me and Scott. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Scott, thanks for uh, for joining me. It always tons of fun. And uh, thanks for listening to the main event, everybody. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I will be back again with you next week.
2: The content of this program is not intended to be legal advice. The news expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker. License number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MP number 096199.